Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'm your host, Ryan Teague from Escaping the Ordinary Podcast. And today, another incredible guest, Omar Diaz from By the Wild. Now, Omar is located in Tasmania and I had the lucky chance to meeting Omar at a recent workshop I was speaking in Tasmania earlier in 2021. And since then, so much seems to have changed. Omar's come on my radar, his creativity is pushing the boundaries. And today I'm honored to chat with the man behind By The Wild. Hey guys, so today I want to welcome Omar Diaz from By The Wild. I had the pleasure of meeting Omar in Tasmania early in 2021. And from there, I see so much change. I know there's a new website just launched this week, Omar, and um, I just had a skim over it, mate. It got me intrigued. And uh, yeah, honored to have you on the uh, episode, mate. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan. It's uh, a massive privilege and honor and been uh, consuming your podcast for a while. And obviously, <laughs> going to the workshop was amazing, getting to meet you and Aaron. And um, what an honor to be here. So thank you for having me on board. Mate, I want to jump straight in. I know we kind of spoke off air earlier in the week about a bit of a structure for this podcast, which which is a little unique. Normally, it's just we'll go with the flow. But when you emailed me through those uh, notes that you wanted to touch on, I was like, oh, damn, I can't, can't throw that away. That That is gold. So let's jump into uh, point number one that you'd like to bring up. For, actually, no, no, I'm going to go back. First off, quickly, do you want to tell the listeners who you are, where you're based, and what you do, my man. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, my name's Omar, and um, my photography business is By the Wild. I'm based um, at a Hobart in Tasmania, and I predominantly do a lot of like uh, destination kind of elopements and weddings where there's like interstate couples coming to Tassie wanting to have um, something down here, whether that's like an intimate wedding or they're just eloping on their own. And I've done a lot of elopements more than anything, to be to be honest. So yeah, that's kind of my main jam. But um, yeah, I've been doing that for about two and a bit years actually. So I'm going into my third wedding season properly. Um, and I shot my first wedding in June 2019 for 500 bucks, and that was uh, kind of the, the precipice to get started. I was, um, you know, I've been a social worker for a long time, over 12 years, and worked in Nauru. I've done mentoring in Cambodia, and I just, yeah, I was just feeling really burnt out. So. Photography, creativity was always really cathar- like cathartic for me. Like I found release in that space and it was just something that kind of really energized my soul and, and to be following in that now is, is just amazing. Um, it's um, a huge blessing, definitely. And so Omar, so now it's full-time, no more social work? Yeah, yeah. I've jumped into full-time just maybe like six weeks ago, actually. Nice. So I, um, yeah, I was, I've been slowly reducing my mm-hmm. hours um, the past couple of years and I'm probably not as capacity as I'd like to be jumping in full time, but you know, my wife's in the wedding industry as well. She's um, a planner and stylist called De Leone uh, in Tasmania, and um, she's my sugar mama. So she's looking out for me a little bit while I get my feet on the ground a little bit more. But um, I will preface that that's this huge privilege that not everyone has. But um, yeah, she's uh, she's my biggest cheerleader, and so she's um, she's amazing. She's helping me on that. So. Do you think um, with your wife, Omar, do you think with her uh, knowledge in the wedding industry, it's kind of given you a little bit of a leverage to to kind of go in there with a bit more knowledge? I think it definitely has been a huge um, advantage to me. Um, so we actually, she's a social worker as well, and okay. we actually met working overseas in Nauru. And, um, you know, when we are overseas, we uh, had a surprise baby on the work. So we had to come back to uh, 
you know, reality of um, instead of traveling and just bumming around and being, you know, hippies. So, yeah, we settled in Hobart eventually. And, you know, we had Israel and, you know, she got back into social work. She was a team leader at Save the Children in Hobart. And it just wasn't, you know, she was really mentally burnt out from her experiences as well as a social worker. And, um, yeah, we needed to look at something else. So she actually started running like small events, small like picnic, pop-up picnic sort of stuff. And, and that grew, but certainly working together and, um, and her business has skyrocketed. She's, she's done amazing. I'm so proud of her. She's, she's done an incredible job. It's definitely, I think, assisted me for sure in like networking and making, you know, getting connections with, you know, different people in the industry that you might not always cross paths with. So like, florists and other planner and stylists and you know people that do hire items or lighting guys and so like that network and that community has been I suppose really beautiful to connect with and that's been a huge um, a huge asset really not intentional but from just being in that space for a couple of years and being able to connect with different people yeah that's been huge definitely and how are you feeling now after six weeks jumping in full-time Oh mate, it's um, it's been amazing. I still have moments where I'm like, oh shit, I don't have to, don't have to drive to school. Yeah, I used yeah. to have to drive like 45 minutes to an hour one way just to get to the school that I was working at. So I was working as a social worker in, based at a school for the Department of Education in Tassie. But yeah, no, it's it's the best thing. Like just being able to have that more flexibility of time. Like the big thing for me is is my son, and like he goes to kinder next year. So wanting to maximize the last bit of the year that we could was a huge thing for us, um, both of us, particularly going into the wedding season coming that's already starting to ramp up. So yeah, it's been amazing. It's really interesting. Like, um, like that whole like time shift, Hey, like, you know, a lot of your obviously time throughout the year and the day was spent doing the social work. And now you've got a lot more time as I always like, I remember when, when I did the same thing, like I was worried, I was like, man, but with that time, obviously it becomes like more investment into your business etc and then it's like you just see this like graph of growth because you you know unless you're just like watching netflix and chilling eight hours a day then you probably won't but it's like you're trading time for the possibility of huge growth in the business which has to happen sooner or later unless it just stays as a side hustle right yeah absolutely and that was definitely my biggest struggle like i was really struggling uh emotionally and mentally to be honest and to be vulnerable, like my mental health was really mm. quite low. And, um, you know, when when got a mental health care plan and just really struggling to balance, you know, like, you know, working in a school, working um, it's really high pay, sometimes a lot of crisis intervention stuff with families and with students to then come home, try and balance that with family life, but then also trying to hustle. Um, and I hate that word hustle, but like mm. trying to just spend time, quality time to actually do the work that I needed to do. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time and months and energy into, you know, getting my branding right where I felt really comfortable, getting the framework for my website up so that then I could really craft that towards me and my personality. And, um, you know, I've only been able to really do those things and get that off the ground, like particularly the website once I finished up because I just, you know, time time is a factor, obviously, and, you know, I just didn't have enough of it. And I would, I'd be going to bed at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning sometimes just trying to wow. you knuckle know, on things. Yeah. It's not great for your health, eh? And especially mental no. health. Like it's just you just kind of digging digging a grave there, eh? Like it's not sustainable yeah, at sure. all. But it's it's interesting you say that because like when I I know the website is a new website launch, was it last week? You're saying? Yeah, I just got it up finally last week. There's still some tweaks to be done. It's probably yeah, yeah. a bit outrageous, but 
in some ways. Dude, that's next level. I'll uh, take my hat off to it, man. <laughs> like, it's so funny, like to see a website like this, like your creativity is something that stands forefront of obviously your work, hence why I've reached out. But like when I come to your website, the first thing I see is you all over it, like not meaning photos, but like I just yeah. had this sense and aura of you throughout that whole website and it was captivating, man. So hats off to you because it seems as though like Thank people you. like Ollie Sampson or someone that's been in the game for, Ollie probably listen, listening, but, <laughs> but let's say yeah. like 15 years or something, right? Like uh, have really honed in, okay, this is me. Like I've gone through the fluff. I've come out and now I'm like, this is me. And like, if you don't like it, like, sorry, but it's there. When I see you like fresh in the game and it's like, man, that's, that's captivating because a lot of people come out with that, you know, the Kmart branding, then it, it takes time to get to that point. But it was really nice when I, when I jumped on your website. Yeah. Thanks for that. Pleasure, my man. I'm going to flip it. I want to go down to the structure that we've spoken about off here. And you, you yeah, mentioned yeah. something really important to yourself. And I want to dive into that, which is building community. Explain to me what community means to you and, and, and like some framework around why that's important. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty funny because, I mean, you guys obviously had this chat with Ollie. I mean, as you and Ollie had this chat mm. and it, you, you framed it up so beautifully as well. But, you know, coming from social work, you can be one social work in a school and that can be really lonely. You, you work quite siloed. And, and then so coming into, you know, your photography business, it, it can often be quite the same, really. You know, you're in, you're in your dungeon office or... You know, you're just plugging away at doing what you need to do, whether it's editing, culling, you know, trying to get stuff up on your website, all the practical bits and pieces. And so you can often feel quite alone. So I think for me coming out of that over that period of time, something that I've really reflected on is, is wanting to make sure that I feel like I have people around me, people that, you know, that I can add value to them, but they certainly also add value to me. And, you know, there's this um, writer that Jim Rohn, I think, said that, that we are the average of the five people around us. And so, you know, who are five people? Who are people that are like-minded, that are perhaps really driven, you know, that kind of can uh, lift you up, can kind of encourage you, that can um, give you advice, but also people that you can just connect with, you know, on a personal level, emotionally, um, if you need support, uh, people that you can just shoot the shit with. Because we need those people in our lives to keep us going sometimes, you know, and not feel like we're in this alone um, and that you do have that support available to you. So I think that's been really vital to me, at least personally, my own kind of well-being, definitely, because no one wants to feel alone. You know, no one wants to be alone. And it's good when you can have uh, someone just to just to connect with, but also to reach out if, you know, things have gone a bit awry with a job or with a couple or, you know, you're not sure how to respond to a certain email or to something like that. You know, it's, it's good to have someone else to, to soundboard off. So then tell me, Omar, with that, Jim Rohn, you know, five people that you're the closest with, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I know the analogy and I, and I truly get it. When you stepped into the photography game, was that a conscious thought of yours? And were you like, okay, cool. Like my current five are probably not going to serve me in the best manner for what I'm going to face in the upcoming challenges of starting my business. Then did, yeah. you, did you flip it and go search for those five if you didn't have them? And how would you do that? Yeah, I... I for me, it wasn't like a conscious thing at all to begin with. You know, if anyone that's done FIFO work in the past can relate to when you are in that space, you can get really isolated from your community. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I, we'd been working overseas, traveling overseas over a period of three and a half years. So, and she was, um, you know, based in Sydney, the Melbourne. I've always been in Tassie. 
so a lot of our community actually kind of those relationships kind of disappeared. Um, you know, people change, we evolve, we grow, our interests change. Um, so we kind of both found ourselves feeling quite isolated, really. Coming back to Tassie, I've always been here, but I kind of felt like those old networks weren't really around. But, I, you know, I think there was no, like, strong intention to be like, I'm going to be friends with certain, these certain people in, in the industry. Um, it's something that I, that's just evolved, um, something that, you know, I feel really blessed to have, you know, good people in my life like, you know, John Gaz and Jonathan Ware and Rosie Hasty, like Cassie Sullivan, great photographers down here. You know, we're in, you know, we've done um, a few get-togethers that have been organised by John Gazignardo and we're uh, organising a big Christmas party to try and bring wedding industry people together. So things like that where I think, you know, we can all contribute to this community. How do we, like, foster that and how do I want to be seen in that process is, you know, like, I just want to be a good guy, bring the good vibes and if I can give, um, I'll happily do that because, you know, I want to make sure that I can, you know, add value to people people's lives, people's livelihoods, people's businesses in whatever way that might look. And, it, you know, I'm not, um, you know, top dog in any sense in that sense, in that business framework of business world, but, you know, well, I'm here to help out in any way I can, I suppose. It's the kind of mindset that I have in my head. Nice. And you said people to shoot the shit in your business. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's just having fun. So I, I get together with a couple of photographer guys down here and we, um, We'll, we'll just catch up for coffee or beers and, and have some food and, you know, we'll just, you know, have a good joke around what's happening in our lives. Mm. Um, you know, just real, just personal stuff. It, again, it's community for me, as I see it, is, it's like actually genuine interest, genuine friendship, and that's been awesome. But outside of that, you know, being also able to talk about, you know, I suppose, difficult clients, we've all had a couple of those that we can talk about and how to proceed going forward so that we sort that situation out i suppose as best as possible for the client for ourselves in that situation that dude it's sense. it's so fucking vital hey i mean yeah like you said i think you, you started with building communities that like we all work in our own dungeon home offices generally solo by yourself and, you, and it's funny because like not many other industries are like that right and it's like mm. through pandemics and stuff i remember like Back in the day, yeah, difficult clients or things would happen, or you're not sure. Do I give a refund? Do I not? How do I handle this? How do? And it's just like you, you sometimes just can't come up with the answer, and you don't know who to talk to. And now, after the years, it's yeah. like through pandemic, it's like on the phone. Hey, man, like how are you handling this situation? Boom, and you're and you're just like, fuck, I'm not alone. Holy shit, like. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. shit, someone else is facing the same issue that I'm facing, you know, or absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, like no hierarchy either. Like, I mean, Ollie, all these other people, like so willing with their time, man. And, you know, you can ask a question, and they'll tell you the answer. And it's like, it's, it's really special. Even obviously people in a, in a state and overseas as well. But yeah, community is really important, I, I believe as well. Now, next one, Omar, you mentioned about mentoring and having people review your work. Is that something you've done in the yeah, past? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, for me, that was really important. You know, I haven't been, like I said, I've only going into my third wedding season really. And so when you, when you look at the caliber of photographers that are around you, you know, it can get quite overwhelming really. Mm. And that comparison thing is, is something that I think I, I particularly struggle with. And I think we all do, absolutely. And, and that, that kind of mindset, or thinking can certainly come and go as time um, comes and goes. But for me, I just wanted to grow. I wanted to develop my artistic skills, my practical skills. I wanted to make sure that I was really giving the best 
product and best service to my couples as well. Like that was really important to me and, um, you know, how, how they feel at the end of that journey with me. And, and so, yeah, getting mentoring was really important. You know, I did the workshop with you. Prior to that, I'd been doing some mentoring with um, Bennett Kings and Thieves as well. And that guy's just on a whole different emotive level. His work is just incredible. And so, yeah, it's, it's quite a thing, I suppose, to put yourself out there and, and be really open to that. It, it does take a bit of vulnerability and that uh, anxiety of having people look at your work can certainly uh, get to you. But no, no, definitely mentoring, I think, is, is so important. If you, you know, feel like there's things that you need to grow or, or develop in, why wouldn't you? You know, we all need to uh, learn or improve or growing things. And that's just, um, I think, part and parcel of you know, being in this space. Like um, any other profession would have professional development that they need to do, that they're required to do within their 12 months of service for that year. So I, I don't see that as any different being in, in photography business. And with the mentoring that you received um, and feedback, obviously reaching out to Ben, I want to ask why you chose Ben. Was Did his work resonate with you or was it something that you wanted to create or was he doing something mm. that kind of struck you? Yeah. I mean, if anyone's seen Ben at Kings and Thieves, you would see that that, that man is just on another level of capturing connection capturing people it's chaotic it's mesmerizing it's emotive it's powerful it's messy and it's it's real and um it's really beautiful i felt like that was like an element i suppose in my mindset uh in the way that i shot the, the intention that i had going into a wedding that i was or an elopement that i was really missing i felt like there was something there that i just couldn't get to um in that sense of you know trying to capture emotion and trying to you know, being able to communicate with the couple too, like communicate. I mean, as you know, Ryan, like communication is everything, right? Uh, being able to communicate to the couple, not in terms of just direction, but you know, being able to, you know, have the couple be really relaxed with you and, and feel comfortable in that process of being photographed. So that was just really great to unpack. Uh, you know, his philosophy, his ethos, going into you know that kind of environment with um, the way that he shoots, and um, seeing what I could take from that and what resonates with me. I suppose what I want to do and how I could also use that in some way as well with my work. I don't want to uh, quote Ben on, on his words or, or, or kind of the mentorship that he gave you. And I, mm. I totally agree mentorship. I've done it throughout my whole yeah. career and, and will always continue to do it to upskill. But in, in your own words, what are two practical things that you took away from, from having Ben help you, I guess, create what you want to create? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, he'll always say, like, shoot in, so, like, shoot the soul. And that's kind of like this weird thing to kind of grasp, but get so comfortable with the couple that they feel relaxed with you that you can really kind of capture the essence of who they are. So, you know, trying to capture those, the way that their hands interact with one another, the way that their eyes look at each other, those kind of, uh, he would say, like, micro expressions. Uh, and, I, and I love that. I love the way that the smile creases when... Uh, you know the the couples looking at each other and they and they're in that moment they're not they're not distracted by you being there they're they're really kind of present with themselves and present with what they're doing and I think trying to document that is is where it's at. It is also a bit of a a fine line as well with communication so his other thing with that is you know he's not a fly in the wall kind of approach like he's in their face and you would see that because his those shots are uptight they're close you know and that's not for everyone but if you're willing to I suppose, try and capture some of that real close, tight action, you know, focus on hands, focus on micro-expressions and get close to the couple. But I think that really, for me anyway, at least, that really depends on the couple and that really depends on 
how comfortable they are with being photographed and, and what you've communicated, what you've discussed beforehand. You know, are they really anxious about being photographed or, you know, are they really comfortable being photographed? Do they want you kind of to be a bit more distant? Like they don't want to, you know, stuff that's really up close or are they okay with that? And also how much can you push that boundary as well within reason, obviously, as well. So I'll always try and, and push that a little bit. But for me, I, I think I'm pretty good at reading people's body language, reading their faces. So if I see that it's starting to cross that, like I'll, I'll back right off mm. because, you know, it's not about me. Um, I want to capture them the best that I can and do the mm. best service for them. But ultimately it's about their experience on the day and I want them to like have the best experience that they can enjoying everything that makes their day. If that makes sense, not just what I'm there to do. Mm. It's such an important point you brought up. I mean, I like awareness, I like human connection and awareness is like such a fucking like, I mean, when I first started, I wasn't really too aware. And then, but then when you hone into like just being aware of the surroundings and, and how they interact and stuff, like you can really provide like an incredible service and experience for the couple. Doesn't matter whether they like or dislike photographs by just reading, reading the situations. Hey, like not defaulting, you know, I mean, we spoke about in Tassie, it was just like, so many photographers would walk in and default, like straight default, boom, this. And it's like, there was not once of like just sitting back and just being like, who are these people? I want, I want to go into um, like comfortability. Obviously it's something we all understand and it's always spoken about, but I want to know how, actually how, like I get photographing hands, photographing, you know, these micro things, but not how to photograph, but how to get them to that point, mm. practical ways that you are using. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every time I talk to a couple, I'll always say having me as like this Latino bearded tattooed guy wave a camera in your face, it's not natural and I get it. And so I try to obviously really manage the expectations around that. I'll, I'll do that groundwork well before. But practically on the day, I really take it upon myself to communicate regularly with the couple. You know, I don't, I'm not a fly on the wall, but, you know, so I'll be bantering with the couple and I will be talking to them. I'll give them space when I know they need that space or when I feel they need that space. Or if there's, you know, if I get them to walk, if we're going between locations, obviously I'll let them enjoy, you know, have that moment, obviously. And, you know, at sunset, I'll just get them to like look out. But for me, I'll say, you know, Stand really close, you know, make sure, I always like saying that, you know, make sure your hips are banging each other, you know, it helps with your posture. And I'm, I'm just communicating with them. I'll, I'll show them a back of, you know, the back of the camera, I'll show them a photo um, often if they feel really anxious and they and you can kind of see that um, stiffness in their shoulders, in their face. Um, you know, I'll say, look, you're doing a great job. Like, remember, this is, this is all we're just having fun. You know, I'm here with you guys. Just focus on each other you know, and just hug each other as you would at home or like, what do you guys, you know, how do you guys have a cuddle? How do you guys um, hold each other? Think back to a time that you like, think about how you're doing this right now. Like you, this is your wedding day. Like how incredible is this? Something else that I really like to do as well is that I'll get the couple to like handwrite some things that they love about each other, that they hate about each other. Maybe that they find sexy about each other or they find really annoying about each other. Or um, if they don't want to write it, I'll get them to whisper that to each other or or say that to each other while they're kind of like in an embrace where they feel comfortable. I won't tell them to hold themselves in any particular way. I'll kind of just guide them, say, yeah, how would you guys hold each other, face each other? I want you to kind of whisper, you know, whisper these things to each other, take turns. And I just, as they do that as well, like I love capturing that because obviously 
they're expressing things that they, you know, about each other, to each other, um, verbally. You know, that's the natural stuff that they're bouncing off. And so they're reacting to that, which is real for them. And uh, I think documenting that is, is really beautiful as well. Interesting point out. Uh, sorry that you brought up then, Omar. You're showing them the back of the camera. Have you ever had that backfire on you where they've critiqued quickly what they've said? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the actual question, yes, but well, that came to my mind. Oh, no, no. I, I have underexposed. I mean, I, yeah, I yeah, like yeah. underexposed yeah. generally, but there was some pretty dark ones in there. I was like, oh, I'll fix that. Though. <laughs> and then it's like, oh. <laughs> but uh, nothing, nothing super awkward. Yeah. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. I'll only do that if they're like really shitting bullets. Like yes, real, okay. Like I had, I did an in-home session, which is something that I really enjoy doing. And um, yeah, that was just, that was really difficult. I took a bottle of Fireball. I like to take a bottle of Fireball with me actually. So some celebrants will, will include that in the ceremony now because they know that I'm bringing the Fireball. So we'll do a shot of Fireball at the end. But in this in-home session, yeah, we did a couple of shots because yeah, old mate, she was pretty nervous about being photographed and felt, yeah, like she wasn't going to look good or that it would feel really awkward. So I did a lot of showing in the back of the camera and that really actually relaxed her. But it doesn't obviously, doesn't obviously always work. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it around a little bit. Let's put you in a practical scenario where you've got a couple that are pretty awkward together. You've kind of done this whole lead up throughout the day and honed in. You see some incredible light coming through. I'm looking at your Instagram now. I know you're using light so incredibly well. Now, the couple are like robots. What's your first step? Yeah. Oh, let's just go for a walk. Mm. Let's just walk around. I might just say, hey, if there's space, obviously. I mean, that's really dependent on the scenario. Mm. Yeah, I mean, awkward couples are hard and I I totally get that. Um, So, yeah, I'll just try and get them to do activities and some of them are a bit cliche, I suppose. It's the kind of typical where you'd be like, all right, go for a walk, you know, mm. have your hands with a bit of tension, you know, someone try and pull each other in um, and just do it nice and slow. And, and um, I would hope that they react um, emotionally from that in one way or another that they can, that they'll, that, and that I'll be able to capture an image that they'll be happy with um, that reflects them. But mm. yeah, that that's particularly difficult. I, I definitely have had one couple that comes to mind that, I don't know if they liked each other or if they were enjoying the day or not, mm. but that was that was really tricky. So in that sense, you know, I'd, I'd definitely focus a bit more on details, hands, yes, what the dress is doing, uh, what the suit's doing. If there's a hand on the back, I'd be capturing that. So more, I'd kind of go more details in that sense and and see um, if they need some space too. Like I've done that, I'd be like, I think you guys, you know, let's all take five nice. ten minutes. You know, let's get a drink. You know, we can come back to that. Yeah, and that, and that really depends on, I suppose, what the couple's done for their timeline. Like, I, I try to give advice, and I like to break things up if possible. I don't like to do huge, huge sessions at once, if possible, because it just gets really, you know, it can get really tiresome. So, you don't you don't want that reflected in the image as well. I find. Mm. Gabe McClintock said to me when he he mentored me a few years ago. He said like. I was like, man, do you ever get fucking stumped? Like I, sometimes I'm at weddings and I'm just like, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Like I'm lost. And he's like, dude, all the time. And all I do is to say to them, like, guys, you just stay here for a little bit. I'll just go for a look around the corner. And he's like, dude, I walk around the corner and just say to myself, what the fuck? What am I going to do? What the shit? Oh, you know? And I'm like, yeah. this dude, like, you know, yeah. the, one of the world's pinnacle wedding photographers. And I'm like, amazing. We're both human. Yeah. You know, it, it, like that yeah. space, but also it's just for us, but also that space for them. Hey, which you're really mm. explaining, which I think it's beautiful that you have awareness. Hey, like awareness. I mean, 
whenever I mentor a photographer, I'm always like, dude, have you been photographed? No. Nah. I'm like, you're a photographer. Mm. It's like, it's like a carpenter not living in a house. Like you need to know what works and what doesn't, man. Like, yeah. And yeah. then you know, like, go spend some money, get photographed by a photographer. Who cares what one it is? Walk away from that and be like, I'll never do that to my couple. Or holy shit, that was so cool. They allowed us to connect like this. I remember John did our family mm-hmm. photos in Tassie when I was there yeah. maybe a year or so ago. And like, just man, let like just gave us space. You know, I said to him mm. on the way out, I was like, dude, like we're not kissy, cuddly. Like we're definitely not going <laughs> to make out. Like, you know, Carter's our life. That's all we really care about as much. Like, you know, and, and mm. like he bought some music and he was playing like kids songs. And I was like, man, this is rad. Like, this is what it's about. Yeah. We don't need, you know, tongue and mouth and shit. That's not us. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely not printing that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that, that's totally. And I, yeah, I mean, going back to it, I just had another thought. Like I, I'm a bit of a cowboy in the sense that I'll have two cameras hanging off my hips, you know, and one I'll sometimes I've gotten to the point where I'll just I'll have one just permanently at like shutter speed 40 or 60. So if I feel like things are a bit not working for me, I'll just I'll just puff off like shutter drag a whole bunch of really <laughs> random messy shit. And that kind of captures a different kind of yeah, vibe. Cool. And yeah, so I'll throw those in as well. And um what are you shooting? 3550? Uh, traditionally I've been shooting more 3585. I yeah. kind of like the um that and I, I bought a 50, I've got a Sigma 50, uh 1.4, and I just yeah, I've struggled with it. I um yeah, I'm still experimenting to see what I what I like, what I'm comfortable with. So so what are you using the 85 as well for portraits as well? Yeah, I've done that for ceremony. I, yeah. I love I love that for reception. I've done that for ceremony because I just like the details um a bit closer and obviously not having to get as you know, right up yeah. there either. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that, that's just my kind of yeah. trying to figure out, I suppose, what, what I like or what I think works know, for I you. Hey. Part of, yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. Let, let's move on. We've got a lot to get through, my man. Interpersonal practice and the importance of mm. critical reflection. We have yeah. a few points to go underneath that, but explain to us. Uh, Isn't that some wank? <laughs> well, the first first point is about building relationships and rapport, right? Explain to me a little bit more about all of this and what this actually means to you. Yeah, I was uh, when I was reflecting, shitting myself about what I was going to talk to you about, <laughs> I uh, sat down and took some notes and uh, my social work brain came out. But, um, you know, we've obviously touched on a bit of this already and I don't think I do anything exceptionally different to what other people that have been uh, doing this do. But building that relationship, with your client, with your couple is so important. And, you know, if anything, like my main goal really is to have them kind of feel like they know who I am in a way and that they uh, understand the essence of uh, my approach, uh, how I am as a person and that they're guaranteed that kind of good vibes, good energy, encouragement and support um, on their day. And obviously that changes with each couple, right? And it it goes back to that self-awareness because not every couple I suppose, can relate to my uh, bit more, I suppose, dramatic persona um, that I put out there, you know, with being the ethnic Latino. But, yeah, so, you know, understanding that each couple is different and that the way that they interact socially, interpersonally is different. You know, we need to be able to reflect and, and kind of adjust who we are to match that scenario, to match, to match that couple. Um, and I don't think that's being insincere or being fake in any way it's like you're servicing a couple that meets them where they're at or who they or who they are like if that makes sense mm. 
No, 100%. It does. And, and when you go to your website, you can see that throughout, right? Like I said at the start of this, like you can see you throughout, you know, I mean, I've met you in person and I can see like they're getting exactly Omar, which is really nice because because it shows a lot of confidence as well for a couple. They're just like, they know they're in like trustworthy hands, creative. That's like, you know, family man. And and it's, it's I mean, back to the website, man, it's done so well, you know. I, Thank you, yeah. What was it? Some uh, some important points that aren't really that important or something like that you wrote. <laughs> I loved yeah, it. Thank you. You know, I'm a, I'm a family guy. That's That really is my identity. And, and um, in that sense that, my whole reason for being is to support and be be there for my family. And um, there's I shoot a lot of weddings or a lot of that have kids, and that's been really cool. For that, you know, we can really connect on that level of um, you know, that journey and that experience. So, I've got a few questions here, Omar. One, if we could put a ratio on you personally as a creative, and, and I know like creative is business, but when I mean creative, I mean yeah, like artistic creative in photography versus businessmen where do you think you sit on a ratio oh like 80 20 or maybe 9 and 10 like i'm the shittest business person ever <laughs> i just got studio in, i got studio ninja i think last year and i only just started setting it up this year nice and by setting it up this year i think maybe after your workshop july august or something so yep. just absolutely ridiculous yeah no uh get an accountant people if I could say anything, get an accountant, get a CRM, read some books on how to use your money and uh, how to separate all your different accounts and expenses. And uh, yeah, try and do that from the get base, mm. you know, well, because if you don't, you uh, end up spending a lot more time than you want to trying to sort it all out later. Mm. It's interesting. Um, like, definitely. Mm. Th- that ratio basis, I think we're like born a skewer of ratio and it's like, um, I think I said it on an earlier podcast, how like um, with maybe Christian from Paper Bear Weddings and I was like, you know, yeah. I read a book and the guy was like, you know, he was a um, a mentor for like large corporation CEOs and he's like, it's the hardest thing to tell a CEO that they're not always the best number one and not meaning number one, mm-hmm. like artist or, or what, but like, it's funny because I've got a lot of friends in the industry and some are so fucking creative, like so left field. Mm-hmm but really struggle in the business, which is totally fine because you might be on the opposite spectrum. You might run a great business, but totally struggle on the creativity. And, and it's funny, like I always think, you know, if you come to mind, I'm like, man, they really, really want the successful business. And for them success, I know we, 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 we had points on success, what that looks to you. But for these people specifically, it's like a financial success. So they really want X amount of dollars. And I'm, I like, remember saying to them a couple of months ago, I was like, dude, like it's not going to happen how you are just agree. Like you love the art of it and the creation. And that, yeah. that is fucking amazing. But if you also want X, you either need to bring yeah. someone in and, and step down yeah. to number two and allow someone to generate those ads, those marketing and the client communication, mm. the shit that you're not great at and you probably don't like, right? Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're probably a better mechanic than you are the business person running the mechanics. And, um, mm. Yeah. And it's funny because as small business owners, we seem to hold both very, like a lot of us just think, oh, we're, we're split down the middle. Right. Yeah. But stepping aside and going like, no, I'm, I'm more of a creative or something like, you know, et cetera, which is really interesting. 90, 90, 10, 80, 20. In terms of your creativity, how much of a factor do you think your editing methods have come into place with what we see today? Yeah. Massive. I, I love 
I love editing. I, I hate when I get stuck on something for ages, but I love that initial like just seeing the image and see and kind of thinking what they could be with the tones, trying to figure out the white balance, which is always the bane of my existence. But yeah, no, I think for me that's where the the magic comes alive. Um, you know, people have different kind of philosophies around that. Um, you know, they they think that creating, you know, the the whole thing is that you create the image, you know, on the day shooting and you know using what's available to you there. But I, I definitely add some secret sauce, I suppose. I go a bit, a bit a bit above and beyond with my editing. I reckon probably spend way longer than I should on a photo <laughs> sometimes. It seems to have like a a mystical glow about all your photographs. Are you bringing the clarity right down, etc.? Is this like are we we talking real real talk? Am I giving away my just secrets? just no no? I don't I don't want to hear <laughs> what you're doing. I just want one point because I know a lot of the audience are going to jump on your Instagram and be like, "Fuck!" It's got this like yeah this like mystical kind of vibe about it. What's one thing I could do to create something? Yeah, totally. You know, you could try some different lens filters. That would be my uh, suggestion. See what works for you. Um, some of those can really blow out highlights. Mm. So see what you kind of like um, and how that diffuses light will be my number one thing there. And definitely within editing. So in, that's a like that's a practical thing mm. that you'd have to go and experiment with. Secondly to that is definitely clarity. Dehaze is good if you can bring that down. And, you know, my images are pretty soft, so I, I bring that texture down too. Nice, nice. Yeah, I don't want to dig too much into the old Omar secret sauce from Chile. No, no, you can't. Um, no, 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 all good. But it's right. Like, I mean, I appreciate you explaining that because there's no secrets. It's just playing. It's yeah. literally a slider. Like if you, you know, open Lightroom, move the slider and go, that's too far. Or, hey, that did what I thought it would. And then you're done. It's There's no like coding where it's like, you've got to come yeah. up with this crazy thing that no one else can ever, ever comprehend. Or you can just go buy a preset of someone that does it probably, you know. Omar, in terms of like the style shoots and stuff like that, I know you mentioned in the um, the show notes is like like personal projects and, and style shoots. Yeah. Have you done many of them in the past? Are you doing more in the future? And what's the benefit you've seen from yeah, them if you have? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even to tie back uh, initially around community, like, and I suppose the benefit of having my wife in that journey, a couple of years ago when I first, well, back in 2019, I got asked to, to shoot a, a big style shoot for a local wedding publication down here at Bruni Island, and, and I did that. That was all free work. I shot over eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 photos over three days. May or may not be a lot, but, but um, anyway, you know, so I, I did all that work, and I, out of that, you know, I was able to – I got a huge ad in the in that magazine publication for that year for free included, and, you know, socials obviously really helped with that as well as they posted those images. And then there was two, my wife was one of the planner stylists involved with that. And there was another one. So they're all posting my images. So that certainly helped there. And I think that's the, you know, if you can do that well, like that can certainly benefit your social interaction online around people posting your work, tagging you. Um, it obviously shows that social proof that you're doing stuff that you're actively engaged in that space as well. And it's something that I continue to do. Obviously, I did a um, big style shoot down at Spring Bay Mill that my wife took the reins off because I suck at organizing things. And um, yeah, that was awesome. And a, a big reason for that for me personally was because I, I've done so many elopements. And so, so much of my work is like, you know, out on the East Coast or down at Bruny Island and it's on these big rocks with these huge vistas and they're incredible and I'm so thankful 
for those couples and for those, you know, those opportunities um, and those love stories that I've gotten to document. But I was really kind of missing, I suppose, imagery and documentation that kind of showed more of a wedding vibe, you know, trying to, you know, look at securing more wedding work um, and to use that for my marketing going into this next wedding season. So, yeah, I, um, you know, we got a big team together of local local you know local suit tailor bridal designer florist hair and makeup artist and yeah we put this big shoot together down at spring bay which is this really unique industrial wood mill that's been converted into a venue and yeah we did um a couple of days there which was awesome but you know the benefit of that is just again like showing up for other people you know obviously there's huge benefit to me and it's work that i get to capture and I really went into that being really intentional, that wanting to work with light and shadow. Um, for me, I wanted to experiment and try and develop my practical skills. Um, I feel like only more recently I'm really starting to understand and use light um, in really dramatic ways. And so I kind of just wanted more opportunity to shoot that. And so that was a huge goal that I put as part of this uh, style shoot that we put together with the mood board and the goal and the intention of that. And from that as well, like I got a videographer involved and, um, you know, he's currently putting together an about video that I'll end up putting up on my website as well. So with those opportunities, what what can you get out of them as well? So for me, I'm getting this about video for me as well. Um, I shot lots of personal branding for his new business that he's kind of doing with his wedding rebrand as well. So, yeah, you know, I'm helping people out. I, I obviously got lots more out of it. That That is a huge opportunity. Yeah. With that style streamer, man. How much input did you have in the planning of that style shoot? And I'm going to come back to the reason why I asked that in a second. Mm. Yeah. Well, 100% basically. I, I was the one that I, I wanted to do this. So I started putting this together. I see. And my wife wasn't initially involved in doing any styling. <laughs> and then I was really struggling to like tie it all together. Yeah. Like I'd confirmed all the vendors. I'd gone to a modeling agency. I'd... Oh, no, she actually helped me find the modeling uh, mm-hmm. models because I was really struggling. Tasmania is really white and I really wanted some diversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really important for me. And I wanted to showcase more diversity in my my website, my images. Um, you know, that was something that I'd been really thinking about. That was that was something that was really intentional for me going into that shoot. So yeah, but no, she she um in terms of the styling, I let her mm. go wild with that because I knew it was an opportunity for her to do something really cool, but everything else, I it was me driven in the sense that I really wanted to play pretty hard with light and shadow. And um, so we shot, you know, during like two o'clock one time as one of the shoots, and obviously that's pretty harsh light to shoot in. Mm. But you know, tried to tried to experiment with that, and yeah. So the reason why I asked, obviously, you know, style shoots and can sometimes just be a photographer on a tripod and click and go. You know, like. And that's like when you were explaining the story about it, I'm like, man, you said I wanted to experiment, et cetera. And generally, obviously, from my experience, obviously, if a coordinator hits you up for a styled shoot, they're expecting, you know, like they're expecting default marketing images that follow a trend, I guess. Not not, Mm -hmm. not generalization wise, but it's a hard one to say, hey, guys, let us shoot at two o'clock and experiment with crazy dark shadows and what shutter yeah. drags and, you know, delivering a thousand shutter drag photos or something, you know, like that's, yeah. but it, it's really nice how you 
were the kind of director of it. And, and then you could be the director of the creation that you make of it because there was probably no expectations, right, on yourself. Yeah, I, I think they were really trusting. I certainly had, like, I definitely felt nervous though. Yeah. Like I wanted, you know, I definitely did have that thing in the back of my head where I, I hoped that they were going to be happy with what I had given them and that there wasn't going to be any email saying, oh, this is great, yeah, but yeah. have you got any of this? this or, and I haven't, which has been awesome. Yeah, I think obviously like this was very much for me and my creativity and, and trying to develop and grow and, and something that I wanted to do as like a creative project essentially. But for someone else that's looking for, you know, their next line of bridal couture or something like that, you know, the, those expectations are totally very different. So. Mm. Mm. I know um, a lot of photographers and, and, and including myself early on would do a lot of style shoots could be asked to, et cetera. So many times mm. I'd leave that style shoot and just be like, fuck, that was the most draining day of my life. Like no input of myself one bit. And they were like, yeah, do this, yeah. do that, do this. And it's like, yeah, okay. can I do this? Like, give me a second, you know? And there's a lot of pressure as well. So mm. I know, you know, there's photographers that jump at them, but I think like there's got to be that point of going, you know, like how, how can I leverage off this? Like, is this going mm. to help me as such type thing? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's really important. And I love it how you did it. Dude, other than style shoots, are you doing many personal projects? And I want to know, mm. yeah, I'm going to ask that question. I got one more on the end of that. No, that's cool. Not really. Like I'm definitely, um, I mean, for me, that style shoot was, a professional personal project in sense of that light and shadow kind of faith something that i am exploring though and um it feels a bit weird to be talking about this but uh you know for me coming out of social work i felt like my empathy was really low for people and so to kind of put myself in a way of like connecting with people empathetically again i've um been talking to some end of life doulas in tasmania and i yeah i think i really want to just capture some families that I suppose, you know, that are going through that end of life process, you know, with a family member or, you know, themselves and just doing some personal work to, you know, bless other people. So I'm, I'm kind of, that hasn't gone anywhere. It's purely, I think, something that I can give back in some way, but I haven't. Um, and, you know, that was really inspired by, you know, Aaron and the work that he's done as well. And um, and talking to him at your, at the workshop that you guys did, um, so, yeah, other than that, though, I haven't explored any other kind of personal projects to work. You know, like I've mentioned before, something I suppose I am, have tried to do before is, you know, in-home sessions. Not boudoir-ish, and I only want to do it as a couple, but like kind of intimate home sessions, um, and that can look in any way. But just trying to capture a couple in their home, I think, is um, a really beautiful thing, you know, when they're relaxed and how they might be in their daily lives. But yeah, that that hasn't come into fruition too much. But I'm I'm hoping to uh, do a bit more of that just just for myself, really. Nice, nice. The question I had on the end of that with Israel, little man, mm. how are you currently documenting his life, and do you ever put pressure on yourself that you need to be documenting it more in a certain way? Yeah. Oh man, I'm so terrible. Like, because I really need to get another camera. Like, I've got my wife a little Fuji or something. I can't even think what it is. I probably should just charge that up and use that. Uh, I take lots of photos on my phone, but I'm terrible. I've got these old clunky D810s and a D750. They, they're loud and they're obnoxious mm, and big. So mm. I'm probably pretty terrible, but I definitely have that guilt that I feel like I'm not documenting enough. 
definitely because they definitely grow so fast, mm. don't they? Bro. But yeah, no, I think I, I think I need to be more intentional with that. I, I probably am a bit shit as a dad being a photo dad. Doing that. <laughs> being a photo dad. I think uh, I think I was speaking to might have been Ollie or Christian or or someone on a recent podcast, and I was like, man, like how much pressure do you put on yourself not documenting your family? You know, and it's it's like the most common thing. Hey, it's like it's probably yeah. like a builder buying a renovator. And and not renovating on the weekend, it's still in the back of the mind. Like, yeah, man, I probably should be using this hammer yeah. on the weekend. Yeah, hundred percent. It's hard to yeah. pick up after you know, like sometimes you know, especially. And I think the tool of the trade is like one thing, like you said, like these big clunky cameras that become our professional workhorse. Like, man, do you really want to take that to the coffee shop? For me, I've always like I've tried to find the way. I guess like you want one, you know. Joel Alston, always, when we would always jam together, the boys be like, oh man, we'll shoot on film, like we get film so we don't look at JPEGs, like don't want to open Lightroom. And then I was like, yeah. I had an epiphany. I'm like, okay, I like the film cameras, but like shooting my family on film is like shooting it on a digital, but not looking at the digitals for three weeks anyway. It's just, we get a scan back <laughs> and then what the fuck am I going to yeah. do? You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Recently, I just got a little Fuji and I literally just, shooting jpeg black and white only and literally synced up directly to my phone and on the first of every month in my calendar it just says print all photos from fuji so ah. i'm just literally dude like in the last month i think tomorrow will be the day so there's 110 literally just like doco none this like just on on the go and i'll literally just like send them online straight off to a print lab local and then you know it's what 10 cents a print not even that and they'll just yeah. send me a hundred back every month or whatever. So it's it automatic. Every time I turn the camera on, it automatically sends the current JPEGs to my phone. So it just keeps updating the folder. That's awesome. And then yeah, once cool. I've shot them, I'll just delete them off my phone because they're still on the camera. And I'm like, such a fucking easy way. And mm. then you just slip them in a Kmart album. Yeah. Probably have too no, many. That's cool. I like that. No, I like that. That's cool. I have to um, I have to see if I can do that with the one that I've got. Actually, in saying that, one thing we I did do is I, I bought a couple of Polaroid cameras. So the past few little getaways we'll, we'll take yeah, that nice. and we'll take a whole shitload of instex but yeah no that, i like the idea of that. that's really cool you're so automated mate yeah man and like not touching edits <laughs> it's just like yeah. what what's going to be the easiest and seamless way that can be consistent and it's like i mean what takes me five minutes to print all those photos once a month i think that's a great way to um to document the family but um, we're all trying to find our way i guess yeah that's it Hey, mate, I want to wrap it up here. We've gone a bit over what I had expected. And, um, mate, I think we've got a few more points. I definitely would love to touch base with you after the business, maybe, you know, beginning in next year, mid next year, and just see kind of how Bye. you've leveraged what's happening in the industry. And, mate, what you're That'd doing, Omar, is, um, yeah, causing chaos, man. People are definitely noticing your work and what you've been putting out to the world. So um, first off, dude, like 100% want to appreciate your time being here. I know it's the first podcast for you, man, and I don't think it'll be the last. So um, uh, <laughs> nah, can you just dude. let the listeners know where they can find you, man? Yeah. Um, so by the wild, B-Y-T-H-E, W-I-L-D-E, wild with an E, because I was trying to be cool, dot com. And then uh, by the wild on Instagram. Nice, mate. I'll link out Slide to um, my DMs. Yeah. <laughs> I'll link out to everything we've uh, spoken about, mate. And um, I'm sure you're going to get a few messages 